Give our worship team a great hand. They did a great job. I just want you to know that man, you all have made us feel so at home here today. My wife and I, she, we've been married 39 years. We're in our 40th year. She's still crazy about me. I want you to know that. Hey, but would you stand to your feet before we jump into the Word? Would you do that here today? And uh, I, want, I want to pray together. If you've got your Bible, hold on to your Word. This is, how many believe this is a lamp to our feet? It's a light unto our path. When everything around us is going wrong, we can stand on the Word. Amen? Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that it will endure forever. We thank you that it is your plan that outlasts any other plan in our lives. We thank you, Father God, that this word, Father God, is hid in our hearts that we may not sin against you. And it is your word, Father God, that causes us to be above only and not beneath the head and not the tail. Blessed in our coming in and in our going out. It's your word that tells us a thousand may fall at our left hand and ten thousand at our right side, but it would not come near us. It is your word that tells us, Father God, that only with our eyes will we see and behold the reward of the wicked. It is your word that tells us, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will have to fear no evil because you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. It is your word that tells us the enemy has been defeated. Jesus is on the throne and only goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And today we have an opportunity to trust in your word, to hear your word and tell our circumstances that they are subject to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lord, the name that's above every name. And today we honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated. And uh, I thank you, uh, Pastor Gary. I have not had a chance to meet Pastor Gary. We actually have met uh, through Bill and Sharon Youngerman. Uh, and I've talked with him on the phone because I am the president of Liberty Network International, which is a ministry that ministers to pastors, missionaries uh, all over the world. And uh, we're, li- we're working on retreats uh, for pastors and their families. And uh, Bill, pa- Bill told me that Pastor Gary was, really has a heart for this as well. So we connected over the phone, talked about some of the things that we're already doing and how maybe we can work together in the future. So he invited me up. He knew that this was going to be a real gloomy week, so he told me to come up this week. Uh, No, he did mention that this is the week they they are out of town and said, while you're here and checking things out, maybe you could fill the pulpit for me. So I'm honored to do that for him. I honor him. I honor his family and and your leadership that's here today. So praise God. Thank you for having me. So I'm going to jump into the word here today, and and in the word, uh, we're going to go to uh, Philippians, the fourth chapter, and we're going to the sixth verse, Um, but but I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Maybe I'm talking to the men right now. Uh, I I I, I would say to my wife, I said, Kathy, um, open up the refrigerator. I said, Kathy, where's the ketchup? And she said, it's in the refrigerator. And I'm looking in the refrigerator, and I I swear to you, this is what I would say. I'd say... Oh, oh, no, it's not in here. Any, has that ever happened? It's not in there. Oh, yes, it is. It's in there. I, I know it's in there. I said, I looked all, and I will like look all over for the ketchup, and, I, and then I'll tell her, okay, it's not in here. It's not here. Is that, is anybody ever, is this just me? Am I, it's okay if I just confess this out. I would say, it is not here. And then she will come over like this. Here. And then I will say, well, it was behind the relish. I couldn't see it. It was there. 
I don't know. I'm just confessing. This is, this is, I have to bring this out. It's one of my issues. I guess what I have, I, it was, it was there. I just missed it. And I, and I could, I, and I swore it wasn't there. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. has nothing to do with my sermon. I just wanted to say that. So. <laughs> Philippians, the fourth chapter, six verse, it'll come around. Philippians, the fourth chapter, the sixth verse, um, Paul is writing and he's talking about, and I believe this is so apropos for us here today in our generation, he's talking about anxiety. And he actually tells us, be anxious for nothing. And uh, once you kind of like parenthesize the word nothing for a moment, because we're going to walk into that, um, because today, coming out of a pandemic, dealing with mask, no mask, vaccine, no vaccine. We come through political tensions like I've never had in my lifetime, racial tensions that are going on, and the stress levels that we're having are at an all-time high, and the, the top prescribed drugs in America today and in the world today are dealing with depression and anxiety. We are really struggling. We have more tools, more toys, more things than ever before, and yet we're the most more depressed and more anxious than we've ever been in our lives. And what we've learned to do is learn how to live anxious. So we try to live with it. When then actually what he's telling us here is be anxious for. Now listen, there's a difference between being stressed and being anxious because there are things that come into our life that will stress us. And, and that stress that comes in, stress is, is, is dealing with something that came, but anxiety is how to deal with stress. And what happens is we go from stress, which is dealing with the issue, to anxiety right away, where now our anxiety is dealing with our stress rather than our issues. And we've learned how to have this secular motion where we're actually living in this low-grade stress all the time. And all it takes is one more thing to put you over the edge. Anxious. Be anxious for nothing. Watch what he says here. So we're going to break this down. I'm going to unpack this first a little bit. Then we're going to put it back together. I'm going to give you some practical examples on how to walk. How many want to walk stress-free? How many want to walk in a life where anxiety no longer has rule over you? How many want that in your life? So we're going to, we're going to do that here. Today. We're going to at least set you on a path for that to be so in your life. All right? So let's read it. It says, be anxious for nothing but, the word but here, now there's a shift that's going. In other words, he says, anxiety is here. It's in the room. Okay? And he said, be anxious for nothing but, here's the shift on it. He said, in everything, not, watch out, in everything, which in other words, anxiety hasn't left the room. It's actually still in the room. Let's read what he's saying. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. So anxiety's not gone. It's here. But in it, he says, I'm going to give you a, a practical thing that you can do in it. Don't deny that it exists, but I'm going to give you a way to deal with it. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known 
to God. Notice this, what he says here. In everything, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious. I'm, I'm, it's, over, it's overtaken me. It's no longer stress, an issue where I'm, I'm actually trying to work out my tensions, but it's actually overwhelming me. And I gotta be honest with you. You watch too much of the news, it'll overtake you. You listen to too much of what's going on out there, it, it can overtake you. There are so many things that are designed to pull our attention away from God's peace into a place of anxiety. And here we are. Now we're living in this anxiety. And he said, but by prayer, which is, and I'm going to break these things down simple. Uh, it's for you. I know that uh, Pastor Gary can probably open this up even more. But I, I'm just going to say this. When he, he says three things. I want you to pray, which just talk to God. Talk to God. Supplication means keep talking to God. Thanksgiving, that's where faith comes in. Thanksgiving, you usually say thank you to someone after they have done something for you. Someone, maybe you came in today and someone opened, held the door for you and you say thank you because they already did something for you. Think about a full circle prayer. Talk to God, keep talking to God and thank him like it's already done. Because I'm just going to give you, I'm going to jump to the end. It already is. It's already done. Prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, he said, let your request. Now here it is. Anxiety is in the room. And I'm not going to give this, watch, I'm not going to give anxiety the place in my life where it rules over me. I'm in the room, it's in the room, we're in the room, but I'm going to go over. Now I'm going to make my request be made known to God, which God is actually telling me I have a right to come to him and talk to him about this thing that's in the room with me. I can come to God and say, hey, God, I'm dealing with this stuff. And I want to tell you something. If you pray to God dealing with something and then you walk away from God and still deal with it, I wonder if you've really prayed. Have you ever done that? God, please, this is so bad. I don't know what's happening with my job. I may be losing my job. God, I pray you just give me favor with my boss so that I won't lose my job. In the name of Jesus, I thank you. Man, I hope I don't lose my job. I think I'm going to lose my job. I'm just using one example. How many times? I, I, can I be honest with you? If you're an intercessor and you pray all the time, you should be the happiest people in the world. Intercessors and people that pray should be the happiest people in the world because they're close to God. And God has a way to download to you the things that you can't see on your own. Watch what he says here. He said, he said, uh, he said let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Notice this. He said, when we begin to talk to God on a continual basis with a heart of thanksgiving for what we know he's already done for us, when you get to that place, it actually says, the peace of God, which passes our ability to understand, will begin to guard, watch, our hearts and our minds. And those two words, hearts and mind, are important. He puts them both in there because the word heart is dealing with our emotion and mind is dealing with our intellect. Think about this. The very heart of God, the very peace of God can come in and guard your emotions and your thinking. 
When you actually pray to God and go to God and call out to God and cry out to God for your circumstances, doing it by saying, God, I'm talking to you. I'm making my request be made known to you. As I bring this to you, I trust you with it. He said, then something happens where that anxiety that's at the center of my life loses its position and the very peace of God comes and guards my emotions and my intellect. All of a sudden, I'm no longer making this the center of my life, but Christ now is the center of my life, which he's supposed to be anyway. And how do I do that? I do that by saying, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, not denying that it exists, not denying that my circumstances aren't there. They are here, but I am not ruled by my circumstances. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. Now, let me just take a caveat. How many have ever said that scripture before? Greater is in me than he that's in this world. I, and, I, and I believe that. I really do. But can I say this to you? And I'm just, just, let's be honest and practical. There's some of us who's got some stuff in us a long time that even though he's in there, we got other stuff in there. We got stuff in there we haven't dealt with. We got some things in there, and even though we say, greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world, there's a fight going on with some of the old stuff that's been assigned to us through something that's happened to us while we were young. Things that we digested that are inconsistent with the word of God that formed the way that we live. We have these things inside of us, and even though the greater one is in us, we still have these other things that we have not turned over to him yet because we don't know how to. In fact, it's easier to shut the door on those things than to deal with those things. But I want you to know those things are in the room. And what he's telling us here is, in all things, begin to turn it into prayer. Watch what, I'm gonna finish this in the New King James Version. Then I'm gonna read it out of the Message Bible. The, uh, it ends up saying this. He said, finally... Brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In other words, discipline yourself to begin to think about good things. Create, recreate the pathways in your brain to begin to think about the positive things. He actually tells us to do this. With the things that are that we're anxious about, we bring those to God. But once we drop them off there, he says, now I want you to go on and think about some good things. Since you've given those to me, in faith you've released those things to me. Now what I want you to do is go have some fun. I had somebody say this one day, and it just rings true. He said, God is going to hold us accountable for the things we were supposed to enjoy. Now, I grew up in church the whole time and always heard the word accountability, and I believe that. We're going to be held accountable before God. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and all that. But all of this, that was always looking around going, man, I hope I'm living right. I hope I'm living right. I hope I'm living right. All right? But what about the things we were supposed to enjoy? What about him saying here, you were supposed to drop that anxious thought over to me. You were supposed to give that issue over to me, and you never gave it over to me, so you could never enjoy the things that I've given you. 
You were supposed to enjoy those things. I want you to know that you kept asking me for stuff and I gave it to you all alone, but you never dealt with it because you always allowed these other things. You created a pattern. Now, let me tell you something. In our generation now, in this generation now, our young people that are growing up, we have, we have the joy and the pleasure of being in a church that's multi-generational, mostly young kids. We're on the backside of, of three college campuses, Palm Beach State College, FAU, Lynn University. We have college kids coming in like crazy, giving their life to Christ. We just baptized 30 people just two weeks ago. One of them was my eight-year-old son. We have more people coming in. I believe the college campus is the mission field of America today. I believe that God is doing something great on the college campus here today, but I want you to know they're coming into the church carrying a lot of anxiety and a lot of worry and a lot of depression. And I will tell you this right now, they need some of us older people who have been there to walk them through the process because there's a lot of stuff going on in our young people that, that we didn't have to deal with when we were young. Well, I, when I have to go, I'm, I'm not that old. Now my, my son thinks I'm old. My eight-year-old son. My 32-year-old son, who's, who's he is a sense. I, I, we started the church. Kath and I started Victory Church back in 1996. In our 25th anniversary, we transitioned. My son went into taking the lead role, and he's the lead pastor there. Now, Kathy and I are still on staff. We're working harder than ever before. I'll tell you what. We're, do, we're doing a lot of things. I told my son, I made the mistake of telling my son, I said, man, I'm the best utility player you've got. Put me in the game, whatever you want. And he put me into so many different things. I, I should have never told him that. But the church is more successful than it's ever been. In fact, someone asked me, he said, How do, how's it going with the church? I said, man, if I'd known it was going to go this good, I'd have done this a long time ago. <laughs> He's doing a great job. Keep him in your prayers. We certainly do, because leadership's not easy. In fact, one of the reasons in L&I that it's really important for me uh, pouring in to lead pastors is uh, the lead pastors in churches today are under more stress than they've ever been. 86% of pastors' wives wish their, past, wish their husband would do something else, 86%. Over 40% of the pastors in the pulpit today, lead pastors in the pulpit today, would do something else if they could replace their income with something else. We're at an all-time stress level, and the three stresses that, that, that they have is the pastors are lonely, they're stressed out, and the political tensions that are dividing their congregation has been too much for them to handle, and they'd rather do something else. But I'm here with Ellen and I. I'm going to keep them in the game. I'm going to let them know that they're valuable, and I'm going to pour into it, especially our young people. The anxiety that they're dealing with today is, is, is beyond measure. I watch my son, and we try. I, listen, Catholic, we tried to talk him out of it. We said, you don't want to do this. He said, Dad, God called me to it. I, listen, either, either he's called you to it, or you are not well, if you won't be in ministry full time. It's a, it is a, it's a, Difficult, lonely job. Pray for your pastors, will you? Pray for them. I, I, from what I hear about Pastor Gary and his wife, they're amazing people who love God and love people, and, uh, and I'm honored to be here. So, but you keep them in your prayers. Will you do that? But notice what it says here. It's telling us that we need to start thinking about things, things that things will make your heart feel full. He tells us to do, he said, I, I gave you a mind 
And I want you to exercise that mind, and I want you to discipline your mind. And that's the thing. Here's one of the disciplines. One of the disciplines is begin to think about things that are noble, things that are trustworthy, things that are good, things that are reputable, things that are of a good report. I want you, when you begin to pass these things over to me, I want you to discipline your mind. This is where, listen, this is a lot of work now. This is a lot of work. It takes a lot of work to change, especially in a, in a generation, in a society that we're in today, that you are actually going against culture. Think on these things. Now, I'm gonna read it in the Message Bible, and I love the way he words it here in the Message Bible. It'll come up on the screens. He said this, don't fret or worry instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. I love that. Let, let your, your petitions and your praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Somebody, all up, friends, I'd say you'd do best filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Notice this. Fill your mind. Start thinking about some other things. I'm not telling you to ignore the issues. In fact, that's not what he's telling us to do. He's actually telling us to put them in the proper perspective. Do you know that God knows everything you're going through? In fact, he knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. And if you're not anxious today, this world will make sure you'll have something to be anxious about tomorrow. How are we going to deal with it? Talk to God about it continue to have a relationship. Do you know supplication basically talks about a relationship? It's actually talking about having an intimate relationship with the Father. In fact, he says, you draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. He said, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is liberty. We can cultivate a relationship with God. And then before you know it, it's amazing what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life? Now, there's a story. I'm going to give you the story. Second Kings, and you can turn there if you'd like. I'm, I'm going to fill it in. Second Kings, the sixth chapter. And in Second Kings, in the sixth chapter, we have Elijah, who is the prophet, who God begins to download everything that's going on in the world. And now the king of Syria is going to attack the king of Israel. So what he would do is he would meet with all of his key captains, and he would come up with a with a plan. Here's how we're going to attack Israel. They would go to execute the plan, but every time they went to execute the plan, <laughs> Israel was already ready for them. Every time. So the king of Syria pulls his captains together and he says, basically, there must be a spy among us. Because there's no way they should be ready for us, but they're always ready for us. Is somebody in this camp, somebody in this camp is telling him what's going on. And uh, one of his men and I, I kind of think, kind of raises his hand and say, listen. And, and he's like, oh, is it you? No, I'm just, I'm here to tell you, there's no spy. There's this guy named Elijah. And God tells him everything that's going on. In fact, he said, 
He even knows what's going on in your bedchambers. You can read it. I didn't say that. It's just what it says. So now the king of Syria goes, all right, we're going to go get this guy. How can you go get somebody who knows what you're doing all the time? That's just side note. But you think you're smarter than God, go for it. So he sets up. Where is he? He's, well, here he is. He's, he's in this city, and he's there with his servant. And he's waiting. He's in there. So he said, okay, we're going to go by night. We're going to take him by night. He's not going to know. We're going to surround the city. We're going to send all of our top guys, all of our captains, all of our army. We're going we're to surround it with chariots, and we're going to take this guy down. Right? So that's the story. That's the backdrop of where we get here. Now, Elijah and his servant are in this kind of like a cabin. They're in the house, in the city, and a servant goes outside. Watch this, all right? It's in the 6th chapter, 14th verse. He says, therefore, he sent horses and chariots, talking about the king of Syria, and a great army there, and they came by night surrounding the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out... There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been surrounded by circumstances? Have you ever been hemmed in by the pressures of your life? Have you ever been struck by what has happened to you? in your lifetime that you just can't get over it? Have you ever been in a place where no one else knows what's going on inside of you, but inside of you, you've got this running record of all of the negatives and all of the negatives. They're just surrounding you and they're surrounding you and you can't talk to anybody about them and you don't know what to do about these things, but they're there, they're holding on to you. You've learned how to cope with it. I'm telling you, you can defeat it. And here's what he said. Alas, master, what shall we do? So he answered, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those that be with them. I'm going to stop for just a moment because this is a delusional thinking as far as I'm concerned. Because we just heard that this city is surrounded by his enemy, and the only people in this house is Elijah and his servant. Now, if I'm the servant, I'm thinking, what is, he mustn't have heard me. He, he probably didn't hear me. Let me say it again. There's a bunch of them. And they're all around. We can't go out the back door. We can't go out the front door. They've got us hemmed in. We're in trouble. There is, listen, there is not one moment that Elijah went, you're kidding me. I wasn't ready for that. And maybe Elijah didn't know exactly what was coming. Maybe Elijah didn't know that this army was going to be there. But there is something that he did know. You might not know what is coming. You might not know what's happening. You might not know what may happen next year. Maybe not. But you can know something. 
do not fear. Those who be with us are more than those who be with him. And Elijah, what did he do? Elijah prayed. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer. Elijah prayed. And he said, Lord, watch now. Open his eyes that he may see. If I have a prayer, my prayer is, God, open our eyes that we may see. Open his eyes. Now, that seems like a crazy prayer. In fact, if I'm the servant, I just said, look, man, if anything, I I think we need to close our eyes and hope it goes away. We need to tap our heels and say, there's no place like home. I mean, we got to do something. uh, Open his eyes that he may see. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw, watch now, angels and chariots of fire all around Elijah. I'm going to ask the worship team if you come up. We'll close. Here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you this question. The angels and chariots of fire around Elijah. Did they show up because he was in trouble? Or were they always there? Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. In the 16th verse, I'll close with this verse. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. 18th verse. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporary. And the things which are not seen are eternal. When he said, while we look not at the things which are seen, he did not say ignore them. If I told you not to look at this pulpit, that doesn't mean that this pulpit doesn't exist. I'm just telling you not to give it credit. I think we give things too much credit in our life and haven't given enough credit to God when he said, be anxious for nothing but in all things by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. He said, while we look not at the things which are seen or the things that are subject to our five senses, we look at the things that are not seen or the things that are not subject to our five senses because the things that are subject to our five senses, they are temporary or temporal or subject to change. But the things which are not seen or the things that are not subject to our five senses, they are eternal 
world, they are held on forever. They are stronger than anything that comes against you. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. In Hebrews, in the 11th chapter, in the first verse, he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you can't have faith without the word, but if you have the word, it produces faith. And when you stand on the word of God, so when we read Hebrews 11 and we look at the first verse, instead of saying faith is the substance of things hoped for, we can say the word of God is the substance of things hoped for, and the word of God is the evidence of things that are not appearing to our five senses yet. The word of God has been given to us. We prayed in the beginning about the word of God. And I want you to know that everything that you have need of is already there. I want you to know that the ketchup was in the refrigerator all along. I just couldn't see it. And sometimes in your life, the body of Christ needs somebody else who knows where the ketchup is to walk us through. We need one another. Can I pray? Let me just pray. Father, there's some things that are in this book that, man, they're sometimes hard. And when you say to be anxious for nothing, it's a tough one. But he didn't just tell us to do something as a command. He told us something to do as an exercise. And that we can exercise this by talking to you on a continual basis and thanking you for the goodness and the greatness of who you are. To recognize that what we have need of is already there. We just got things in front of it. So God, I pray for each person here today under the sound of my voice. And I pray the same prayer that Elijah prayed. Father, open our eyes that we may see. That we may see the angels, the chariots of fire, the power of the blood of your son, the name, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and the authority that at that name every knee will bow and every tongue confess in heaven and earth and under the earth that you are Lord of our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.